Well, good evening. Let's open with a word of prayer, and then uh, I'd like to read you a short passage of Scripture. Lord, we thank you tonight for your presence here with us. We thank you for your Spirit who teaches us through your Word. And tonight, Lord, we do ask for each of us to have a fresh filling of your Spirit, even at this moment that we might be in tune with what you want to share with us from your word. So we look to you, Lord, and we ask you to bless this time and bless this evening as we put into practice the things we hear from you. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to read three short verses, just Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, and then uh, we're going to talk about it a little bit. You can follow along while I read, or you can actually close your eyes and just kind of picture this, because I want you to see the picture of what's happening here. Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. The former account I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach until the day in which he was taken up, after he, through the Holy Spirit, had given commandments to the apostles, whom he chosen, to whom he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs, being seen by them during 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. In those, actually the last two verses, Luke, who wrote the book of Acts, kind of summarizes 40 days of Jesus' life, his new life, his resurrected life, after the resurrection. There's more about what Jesus did that we can see in the Gospels, and uh, I just kind of want to run through what Jesus did during those 40 days with you from the Gospels um, and from one other place in Scripture, which I'll mention, but At the resurrection, remember, he rose from the dead before the angel came and rolled the stone away. The angel proclaimed he has risen when he rolled the stone away. Jesus didn't need the stone rolled away to get out. He went out through the tomb. Uh, And then after that, he appeared to Mary Magdalene and to some other women and basically said, tell the disciples, you know, to go ahead ahead of me, and he blessed them and encouraged them. And then uh, that day, two guys were on their way to a a little town, Emmaus, and he joins them, resurrected Christ. He joins them. These guys have been his disciples. They don't recognize him. It says their eyes were closed, not meaning physically closed, but they were just, you know, blinded, so he couldn't see that this was really Jesus, and he shared a message I'd love to hear, where he went through all the scriptures and explained all the things concerning himself. Then he got to town, and he was going to go on, and they said, no, no, stay with us. So he sat down, he ate with them, and when he reclined with them to eat and broke bread, it clicked with them. That's Jesus. Boop, and he vanished. Amazing. So they hustle back to Jerusalem and say, hey, we've seen him. And they say, yeah, and he's seen Peter too. Peter had already seen him. And But remember, we're talking less than a week after Jesus was crucified. 
So all the other disciples were like scared to death the Jews were going to get them. And they were in this room and they had the door shut. Suddenly Jesus appears in their midst. Now Jesus didn't appear naked. He had some clothing on. Clothing that goes through walls. Amazing. So he appears to them and, and they're all like, it's a ghost. He says, no, no, it's not a ghost. I have flesh and bones, you know. Feel me, touch me, examine me. Literally, it means like a doctor examining a patient. That's the word he used in, in the Greek. And, uh, and he said, give me, some, give me some food to eat. And they gave him some food and he ate. And he said, it's, it's me, guys, it's me. Well, Thomas wasn't there. So Thomas says, well, I, I don't believe you really saw him. Till I put my hand in his side and my fingers in the holes, I don't believe it. Next week, Thomas is with them. Boom, Jesus appears again. And he says, Thomas, come here. And somehow this special whatever garment kind of thing he has, he pulls it aside and says, put your hand in my side. Imagine, he's got a hole in his side and he's not leaking. This is quite a body he has. It's our first picture of what our resurrection body will be like. Thomas puts his hand in the side, sees the holes, and he falls down and says, my Lord and my God. Just amazed. Well, Jesus then went to Galilee. The guys met him on the mountain. You may have heard of uh, the Great Commission. You know, well, the 11 apostles are up there, and they, and they, um, Jesus says, go make disciples and all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And get a load of this. I'm with you to the end of the age. I'm with you to the end of the age. Interesting. And then there was that breakfast that Jesus hosted on the shore of Galilee. Seven of the guys had gone fishing and fished all night and didn't catch anything. I often wonder about the, have these guys ever made a living fishing? It seems like they're never catching anything. And uh, Jesus is on the shore and he says, hey, toss the net on the other side and uh, you'll get some fish. And they did, and John recognized, that's Jesus. Peter hops in, swims to shore, and Jesus has already got a fire going, coals, he's got some stuff cooking, come on, have breakfast. And then there's that discussion that Jesus has with Peter, like, do you love me? And Peter says, yes, and, and so they have a little discussion together, and Jesus kind of encourages them, feed my sheep and stuff. And what about John? I've heard the rumor he's never going to die. Jesus says to Peter, that's none of your business, that's John. I, what I told you to do, that's what you do. Paul, in 1 Corinthians 15, tells us that there was a time where Jesus appeared to over 500 of his followers at once. So that's kind of a picture, and this is our summary here in these two verses. It says that he, through the Holy Spirit, that's Jesus, had given commandments to the apostles. It's one thing he did. He presented himself alive with many infallible proofs. Well, one of them we read about, Thomas, you know, put your hand in here. I mean, that's a pretty infallible proof. And, um, and then speak about the things of the kingdom. You know, the kingdom. We're in the kingdom. The kingdom of God. So, now think about that for a minute. Jesus had 40 days on the planet. And this is what we read about. We don't read about anything else. This is what we read about that he did. I'd like you to think for a minute, okay, just put on your thinking cap, and think about Jesus. He's able to appear and disappear at will anywhere, through locked doors, through walls. Okay, um, he can open up, you can put 
a hand in the side. I mean, you can really see that pretty infallible proof that he's the guy. He's, uh, well, right before he was crucified, there was a time where they came to get him and Peter grabs his sword and cuts off the guy's ear and Jesus tells him, put the sword away and says to Peter something very interesting. He says, don't you know that I can ask the Father and he'll send more than 12 legions of angels? Now, get an idea. Jesus can call down more than 12 legions of angels like that. What's a legion? Well, most Bible scholars believe that's 6,000. So 12 legions of angels would be 72,000. He can call down more than 72,000 angels. Now, angels can sing and all that stuff, but there's a story back in the nation of Israel where one angel by himself overcame over 100,000 soldiers. So imagine the power that more than 72,000 angels have. Okay, Jesus had those at his beck and call. He could appear and disappear anywhere. He could go anywhere he wanted to. He's unkillable. I mean, if he can go through solid things, solid things can go through him. He can will to eat and have the food go. I like that. That means in our resurrection body, we're going to be eating. I like that. (laughs) And there's a marriage feast of the Lamb coming. Jesus had all those capabilities. Think about this. Suppose Jesus wanted to have a concert to attract people and win them to Christ. He could call down the angels to be part of the worship. Do you think Jesus could write good songs? How about the angels? Could they sing, do you think? Jesus could do anything. Now, think for a minute about some of the things that he might have done. Remember, he's God. God so loved the world that he gave his own. God loves the world. He wants to bring people to Christ. What could he do? I mentioned a concert. What else could he do? It's okay to talk if you, wanna, if you have an idea. It's all right. I know it's a little unusual to talk, but you're going to talk later, hopefully, and share some things. Plenty of miracles. He could go and do miracles all over the place. Absolutely. He could throw a party. Absolutely. Yeah, let's see. He's got 72,000 servants to cook and, yeah. He could throw a party. Have a crusade. Now, a little less than a week ago, he appeared before this real high religious leader. Remember the high priest? And the high priest spoke to him. And What do you think? Could he go back and talk to the high priest? Just appear. Say, hi, remember me? Freak him out totally. Um, to the Sanhedrin, the leaders. He could appear to Caesar, the ruler of the known world. Wow. And nobody could kill him. Oh, bring your armies out. I'll take care of them. He could convince the world. He had many infallible proofs, but he didn't do that. And the reason I bring that up is because sometimes you learn something about a person from the choices they make. Here, Jesus made a deliberate, intentional choice to spend time with his followers and not to do some of the most amazing outreach that ever has been done on planet Earth, which he could have done. 
and really could have helped the whole spread of the gospel. He didn't do that. So Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So if back then his first priority above everything else, even though he had all this ability, was to spend time with his followers, what do you think his first priority is today? To spend time with us. Mm-hmm. What's your first priority? The God of the universe who created everything, who has all power, wants to spend time with you. Do you want to spend time with him? Do you? Think of a modern day example. Suppose you have a husband and wife and uh, they wake up in the morning and the husband says, Honey, I just want to listen to you. I want to hear what's on your heart. I want to hear what you're struggling with. I want to hear what your dreams are. Can we just spend some time together? Some of you laugh, of course. But how would a wife respond? Would she say, oh no, I really got to get the laundry going and I need to go over here and do this? No. Imagine if that husband was perfect, perfect, and loved her intensely and had supernatural power. That's really the picture of Jesus and us. In Ephesians, we're told that marriage is kind of a picture of our relationship to Christ. We're the bride of Christ. And every morning when we get up, he's saying to us, I want to spend time with you. I want to hear from you. I want to know what's going on in your life. Now, spending time with Jesus can be a little, uh, like, how do you do this? And really, how you do it is the way you'd spend time with anyone. You talk to them and you listen to them. And since Jesus is asking us to talk to him, he wants to spend time with us, we can talk to him. I mean, you can wake up first thing in the morning and say, Hi, Jesus. Wow. Let's see, it's raining today. Oh, man. What are we going to do about that? Can I go for a walk with you? Well, I can put on my raincoat. And I just start talking to Jesus. How do you listen to him? Well, if you have a smartphone, it's real easy. Bible Gateway, there's you, uh, Bible, there's a whole bunch of things where you can listen to the Word of God being read. Uh, or you can pull out a Bible and, and read some. If you have a computer, you can just go to BibleGateway.com listen. So you can hear from God, and don't try to listen to 40 days worth of teaching at once or something. Just a little bit and say, okay, Lord, what are you showing me here? And wait and let him show you some stuff. Just think about the passage. Think about the people in it, what they're doing, what they're not doing, choices they're making. Just like we did about Jesus. We see a choice he made. And it tells us he really wants to spend time with us. So this year, as we start off the new year, I'd really like you to be praying tonight about how can I rearrange my life so I get lots of personal time with Jesus. If you commute, well, there's a lot of time you can be spending with Jesus, talking, praying, sharing things. And if you've heard a little bit of scripture, a verse or two, like, okay, he did this, and then think about it. 
and talk to him. He wants to talk to you this year. Let's pray. Lord, we do thank you for the example you give us in Scripture, the clear indication that for 40 solid days, instead of doing all kinds of miraculous things you could have done, you spent time with your followers. You encouraged them, you helped them, you trained them, but you loved on them. And they were changed forever. They're different men than they were before they met you and even different men before the resurrection. So Lord, it's still post-resurrection time and we're your children and you still want to spend time with us. Lord, would you please help each of us to overcome any anxiety or concern about doing just the right thing or the right way or the right study plan or whatever, to just wake up and start talking to you, listening to you. Grab a little bit of scripture through a smartphone or computer or somebody reading it to you or reading it themselves, but just spend some time every day with you, just like you chose to spend time every day with those followers of you in Acts. In Jesus' name, amen.